Podcast League Hopefuls. That was I Took Judge by Chris Torrey. And you'll hear more songs throughout the show. Welcome, everybody. I am Adam Azer. Hello, Scott White. Happy Monday to you, sir. Happy Monday to you. Thank you. And Kreeth, Chris and Heath, happy Monday. It, it's a beautiful day. What's up? Is it a beautiful day? Why is that? It's just everything is awesome. Okay, great. I'm in a great mood. Okay, good. Happy to be here with you. Had a great weekend. How was your weekend, Adam? Uh, it was really, really lame. It was just a, just a really boring. I went to sleep at eight thirty on Saturday night. I love so, that. No, it's <laughs> a great not. weekend. Now that I'm thirty, no. just not doing anything on the weekends is great. No, that's just not true. Um, but, but. The tournament's here, and the bracket challenges are here. So I do have to talk about that really quickly, and then we're going to get into fantasy baseball, I promise. But a few things I need to promote. Bracket challenge. Go to cbsports.com. Fill out a bracket. It's free. It's really fun. It's the best place to do your brackets. And there is a podcast league bracket. I want 2,000 people in the league. We had like 1,500 last year. I want 2,000 this year. I am going to tweet out links to it. If you don't have Twitter... Feel free to email me, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, and join our bracket challenge. And why should you join it? Because at the end of this first weekend, I will pick one of the people in first place and add you to the podcast league. So there's that awesome thing as well. Uh, podcast league draft is in a week. So, uh, again, I will tweet the link to the bracket challenge. And if you don't have Twitter, you can email me for a link to it. And all you got to do is join and fill out a good bracket, and you have a chance to join the podcast league. Also, sportsline.com has optimal brackets and upset brackets. Those are great. And you can use our promo code Vegas for $1 for your first month on sportsline.com. And Heath, I'm going to promote something that you wrote on cbsports.com, believe it or not. This is weird. Yeah. Why? This is really strange. <laughs> uh, sleepers, breakouts, and busts 2.0. Sleepers including Tyler O'Neill. Breakouts including Malik Smith. Busts including Cole Hamels. cbsports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Everyone's sick of hearing from me, guys. So what was the most important thing that happened over the weekend in, in, in anything, your life, fantasy baseball, whatever? I found Space Camper uh, IPA in my local Total Wine, and that's always fantastic. It's the second time that it's happened, so I bought a couple six-packs of that. Made the weekend much better. 
very happy to hear that. Uh, <laughs> Scott, get us back on track. What was the most important fantasy <laughs> baseball thing that happened? Yeah, I have a couple interesting items here, but the one that affected me the most, that got the biggest reaction from me, was the Orioles sending down Austin Hayes, who I had come to believe had won the starting right field job already with a redemptive spring that uh, really brought home the idea that he was playing through injury all of last season. You remember, I was excited about him as a sleeper going into last year. It looked like he had a chance to win the right field job then. Not only didn't he, but he was bad in the minors after this big breakthrough season in 2017. Well, he was awesome this spring, hit five home runs, and, uh, you know, just had a big game every time he played, it seemed like. But Well, Scott, that's the problem. He was too good. Yeah. The Orioles that, I mean, and that's of winning games. That is one way of looking at it, is that it's it's an indication of how much the Orioles value him, that they sent him down because they want to make sure they buy that extra year of service time. But uh, it's going to be late April when we see him. I still think he's worth picking up in five outfielder leagues, but to be on your bench. Yeah, I had to choose. We actually had one league, the, the auction draft free agency or waivers ran last night for the first time. And originally he was my highest bid, and then I put in, when I saw he got sent down, uh, I put in a $3 bid for Jorge Soler. Because I need an outfielder badly right now. I'm starting a minor leaguer, so 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 there will replace uh, Kyle Tucker in my lineup. But yeah, I, I that was disappointing, um, but still it could just be a service time thing, as Scott was mentioning. Chris, how about you? Give me a, an important. Uh, Scott had a couple things. We'll come back to Scott. Chris, give me something important that happened over the weekend in fantasy baseball. I'm gonna go with the homer pick and say that the Marlins young pitchers continue to be outstanding. The big standout this weekend was Trevor Richards. We saw last year he has that great changeup, one of the best in the game. Uh, struck out a bunch of guys, but control was a little iffy. He threw, I think, six no-hit innings with six strikeouts and no walks uh, on Saturday. He has been absolutely incredible this spring. Uh, more than a strikeout per inning, good control. Mm-hmm. The Marlins Eight. have like three or four sleeper starting pitchers who whichever ones make the rotation either – uh, Trevor Richards, Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, he's been a little iffy this spring, or uh, Pablo Lopez. Whichever of those four win the two rotation spots, and I would guess it's going to be Richards and, and Smith, I think they're worth drafting in mixed leagues uh, or, or adding uh, in the reserve rounds. Homer. No, sure. that was my other one. That was my other one was Trevor Richards. Uh, yeah. He's Just to give you the numbers, in 19 and a third innings this spring, 20 strikeouts, 8 hits, 4 walks. And I look, he had more than a strikeout per inning in the majors last year, pretty close to a full season. He has one of the best changeups in the majors. It's up there with Luis Castillo and how many whiffs it gets. And he's added a curveball that seems to really be rounding out his arsenal nicely. So I'm I'm pretty excited about Trevor Richards, fourth late round pick for sure. Okay. Uh would you would you rather have Trevor Richards or Michael Waka? Richards. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Richards. And I, I actually had three real things. Okay, um, go ahead. Besides my fantastic find. <laughs> um, AJ Minter, we've all kind of acted like stay away from Rodas Vizcaino because AJ Minter is going to get the lion's share of the saves. It'll be split. And then Minter's better than him, so he'll get the saves. AJ Minter is not going to be ready for the start of the season, likely to start the season on the IL. And I just don't know how long it will be now before he takes any saves from this guy. You know, much less the majority of saves from this guy. You know, probably means that he is Arodas Viscaino is being underdrafted right now. Also, I'm not sure AJ Minter's better than Arodas Viscaino. I feel like we treat Arodas Viscaino like he's just not good, but he's been very good in his career. I mean, an ARA under three, I think, pretty much every year except for 2016. Um, a lot of strikeouts. It was a little low last year, but Inter's probably better. But given that Vizcaino's the right-hander, I would guess he's going to get most of the saves even when they're healthy. Maybe you know, A majority of the saves, maybe not most. And then two more that were just both Indians notes. Francisco Lindor, and we really, I mean, he dropped to the end of the second round in one of the drafts we did, has not been ruled out yet for opening day. If he's just fine on opening day, he was a top four pick before he ever had any injury. So he could have been a huge value even in the second round in drafts. And then the Indians also, it sounds like, signed Carlos Gonzalez. 
I'm not sure there's any chance Carlos Gonzalez is good for the Cleveland Indians, but this probably puts the final nail in the coffin of Greg Allen's going to get you steals in the late round. Uh, yeah, it, he might get you steals, but it, it could be like pinch running. You know, it, it's it, it, don't make him the centerpiece of your steals uh, for sure. So where Heath, where would you draft Francisco Lindor at this point? I think he needs to be in the first round for sure. And I, we kind of moved Bregman back up when Bregman showed that his elbow injury wasn't that serious. I, I could consider Francisco Lindor anywhere starting about pick eight, but definitely before pick 12. Okay. So, so guys, would you take Scherzer? Would you take in a points league, Trey Turner, uh, or Lindor? Is that the range we're talking now? In a points league, I take Lindor over, over, over Trey Turner. I think I'd still take Scherzer first though. Scott, I'm happy to let Lindor go to somebody else. It's just a headache I don't want to deal with. Shortstop's deep. There's a lot of high-end options there. Um, still worried about the steals potential with the injury. But, yeah, I mean, so far the rehab's gone smoothly for him. The calf ache that you don't want to deal with. Am I right? Scott's very afraid of the calf. Very afraid. Oh, Scott, <laughs> are we upping his stolen base total, Scott? Can he steal five bases? No. <laughs> Five, sure. There's a good chance he'll still steal at least five. Scott, they're just uh, baby cows. I don't know what you're so worried about. (laughs) They can trample you like the rest of them. All right, so uh, I got a segment here called Five Big Questions. So I think they're pretty big questions. You guys can tell me uh, if you agree. But all right, let's start with question number one. Who is Trey Turner? Very open-ended question, but... He's a shortstop for the Washington Nationals. All right. Boom. Question number two. Now, question number one. Who is <laughs> Trey Turner? Uh, just how good is he? Just going through the numbers, it's so hard to pass him up at fourth overall in a roto or categories league. But I still think I'm going to. I still think I'm going Arenado. So then do I take him fifth overall? I don't know. Maybe. I kind of want to take Altuve there. Uh, it's very confusing. Who is Trey Turner? Heath, you wrote about him in Breakouts 2.0. We talked about him a little bit on Friday. Let's go through it again. One last time, at least for now. Uh, <laughs> um, expectations for Trey Turner and when he should be drafted. I mean, he's a 25-year-old shortstop with a career 289 batting average that's stolen 124 bases in 360 career games. And his manager just said that he wants him to run 75 to 80 times in 2019. Trey Turner is a potential number one overall player in categories leagues. He does have the issue to where we've set such lofty expectations that he's not yet met them. But even in his bad year, he was a top 17 hitter. Trey Turner is safe as a top 20 guy, but also has upside to be number one overall. And I think he should be considered in a roto league. I, I don't rank it this way, but I think as early as number four is fine. I would be happy to get him at six or seven. All right, Chris. I mostly agree with that. I, I think there are some issues with his batted ball profile. He hasn't hit enough line drives over the last couple of years to to get his Babbitt to where you would think it would be. But you know, overall, he's right around nineteen percent for his career. I think this is this is one of those guys where we can look at like, well, this year he was this, and this year he was that, and then the next year. But you know, overall, he's played three hundred and sixty games. Like he said, he's a two eighty nine career hitter, nineteen percent line drive rate. Uh, 12% homer in the fly ball. It all points to him being at the very least an above average hitter, um, who steals 55 bases probably this year. That's, mm-hmm. that's hard to pass up. Yeah, we're pinning a lot of hopes to that comment from Dave Martinez about how many steal attempts he wants Turner to have this year because he was, you know, he was, he wasn't anywhere close to first half of the first round discussion before then. And look, stolen bases, as I've said many times before, that's the one stat where somebody can choose to do it. And, and, and that's, that's what matters most. Like it's a decision based stat. So, you know, if there's any, if there's any verbal goals set for a a stat, stolen base makes the, the most sense to, you know, take to heart. But, um, he's, He's other than that and runs scored. He's not going to be a standout in any other category. He won't hurt you in home runs or batting average, but he's not really going to help you either. And that's 
that's that's a lot to sacrifice from a first round pick. It, it may be worth it because steals are so scarce. I mean, even when he underachieved last year, he was second in the majors. But uh, you know, if if you don't if you don't want to prioritize steals quite that heavily, if you're if you're confident in finding them later, I think Trey Turner's pretty easy to pass up. Right, but let's say you take him in the first round, Scott, and then you take Aaron Judge in the second round. I mean, doesn't that solve your problem? Because Turner's going to be potentially like great at steals, potentially amazing at steals, uh, should be great at runs, and has a good chance to give you a good batting average. So I I know that home runs. What? Don't we disagree? I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to help in batting average. Like he's not going to hurt. And and Aaron Judge is the same way. And the thing about batting average is, I feel like that's a category that you really want to get a solid start in because well, it's it's hard to a, make up for it later. He's I, a career two ninety hitter, and he hit two seventy one well, last year. That's his lowest. He was two eighty four mm-hmm. the year before. Two eighty four is helpful. Yeah, that's that's it's helpful, plus. but it's not. It's not Altuve. You know, if, if, if between your first two picks, you're, you have like a 280 batting average, you're behind. Uh, are Altuve or, or Turner, guys? Altuve or Turner? I'll take Turner. Uh, in Roto. I'll take Altuve. I'll still take Altuve. All right, second question. Who are you worried about missing out on? Uh, I really got to get this guy on at least some of my teams. I don't want to miss the boat on whom? Juan Soto. I've, I, I, we've all, I think, kind of been a little down on him. Well, no, not no, you. I've, you I've got him breakouts. I've got him top 24. Yeah. And I think that's too high. Like the, the brain part of me thinks that's too high. Uh, and then every time I see him hit like a 440 foot home run in spring training, I feel a little bit dumber. So I, I need to make sure I have him on at least one team just because I got to hedge my bets on this one. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Heath? Nobody, because Heath, Heath's rankings are perfect. <laughs> I, I do struggle with this question just a little bit. Um, I, I think I'll go with the two shortstops who were hurt in spring training, both Bregman and Lindor. And I've already got Lindor on a team yet. I don't think I have Bregman yet. But both of them, I believe, have that top five potential and fell into the late first, second round because of injuries. And both look like they're probably going to be fine at the start of the year. Okay. Scott, how about you? Who are you afraid of missing the boat on this year? For being excited about him, and I think one of the most vocally excited about him, uh, I I don't really have many shares of Herman Marquez, who I think among the non-aces has the clearest chance of being an ace, considering that's what he was for his final 17 starts last year. Uh, I think it's just a matter of wanting to be too perfect, getting him for the value where I can... uh, where, you know, I, I can cash in on it and say, hey, look at what a great value I got. Uh, and just missing out on him over and over again. So hopefully I end up with him a little more going forward. Got to reach, Scott. How early are you going to go on Armand Marquez? Yeah, I think round seven's the earliest I'd look at him. And uh, it, it's, it, it just hasn't lined up for me yet. Okay. That's round seven in a 12-team league, which would be beginning with pick... Yeah. 63 overall. Yeah. Uh, but that's been true in 15 team leagues too, which is why I probably missed out on him a lot. You know, here's one that I, I kind of want some shares of. I, I think Scott might disagree, at least based on ADP. He has him in the uh, overvalued uh, section of ADP, overrated. Uh, Cody Bellinger. I think that they don't want to platoon him. They want him to take the next step. Dave Roberts said Cody Bellinger needs to be our guy. They are going to be relying on him a little bit. And I, you know me, if you, if you listen to the show, I, I believe in the sophomore slump. Not that it happens every time, but I believe that it's an explanation. Pitchers adjust, guys struggle in their second year, and they, and a lot of them have a, a track record of bouncing back in their third year. So, I mean, Bellinger was so good as a rookie, and he was disappointing last year. There's no question. He has this weird history of some very good years against lefties and some very bad years against lefties, including one of each already in the majors. Chris Towers pointed out earlier this year that Bellinger's batted ball profile wasn't so bad against lefties. It, you know, it, it, his numbers shouldn't have been as bad as they were. So I, while on one hand, I can see that he might be being drafted a little bit early, but on the other hand, I see immense potential. I see dual eligibility, which I love. 
And I definitely want to get a little bit of uh, Cody Bellinger in my life. I absolutely agree with you, Adam. I, I'm definitely higher on him than anybody else in this room and, and in this, this room. There's two of us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the top 50th percentile. Um, I, I think there's potential for 40 homers and like is 20 steals off the table. Yeah. Like they have him there, playing there center field. Is. I mean, he stole 14 last year. Right. In 162 games. Sure. Could get better. I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could run six more times over the course of a season. Or well, seven. I, it's, it's, what gets difficult for me is he has an ADP of 42. And I believe Jose Abreu's ADP is in the 70s. Right, but Jose Abreu's and, not going to do what Cody Ballinger could do. Well, even coming off the great rookie season, they were drafted in about the same range last year. I mean, Cody Bellinger could help summon stolen bases and has the potential to out-homer Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu is going to hit a lot of home runs, though, with a good batting average. I mean, he was consistently 290 prior to last year. They're both coming off a down year, which is why Jose Abreu lasts so long. But there's nothing in the profile that has me concerned Abreu won't bounce back. And meanwhile, Cody Bellinger was sitting against left-handers down the stretch last year. So while the plan, I know, is for him to play every day, if he doesn't get it together against left-handers with the uh, the way the Dodgers handle platoons, I I think that's, for the 42nd overall pick, that's too big of a risk factor for me. I don't necessarily disagree with what Scott said, but I still agree with what Adam said right. because I think the upside is he's worth a second-round pick next year. I, I yeah. do think there is some risk there that's not baked into his ADP, but even at that ADP, he has upside beyond it. Yeah, all, right. all the arguments make sense, and there, I guess, are wide range of outcomes for Bellinger, who was second among first basemen last year with those 14 steals. Only in Desmond had more. All right, big question number three. We all seem to be a little down on Glaber Torres. Like, he's going too early. He's second base and shortstop eligible. <laughs> and he's going in, like, the fifth round. Uh, so, maybe sixth round. So, why not Greg, Bur- I mean, Glaber Torres. Why not Glaber Torres? Look, he was a, <laughs> I, he was a top prospect who was had- Was that a, on purpose? That, yes, well, yes, it was. Okay. A great rookie okay. season. And I, I agree. I mean, I'm a little down on him too. I think he's being drafted a little too early, but why not Glaber Torres? A lot too early. A lot, you look at the batted ball pro, like basically all he did last year was hit home runs, which are great, but that you can find them anywhere. He didn't really stand out in any other way. In fact, if you look at the batted ball profile, it matches up line for line. With like Paul DeYoung, who's going like 180th overall. He was outscored Torres on a per game basis in points leagues last year by Eduardo Escobar and, uh, uh somebody else, Scrubby, whose name I'm forgetting. Jorge Polanco. But it wasn't I think, really yeah. that big of an performance. I mean, if you're just like there, if, if he was going closer to like 80th, 90th overall, I could get excited about him in the sense that, okay, this is a young player, top prospect with upside who, contributed right away and maybe he'll you know take steps and become a more well-rounded player this year but since he's going that early it's easy to pass him up and say guys he wasn't that good last year yeah i I just don't buy the home run to fly ball rate and he's going to hit in the bottom third of the order i just i don't i wouldn't have that much interest in the eighth round i certainly don't have interest where he's going now i could see him hitting fifth or sixth oh god no i could see him hitting fifth or sixth i I mean i think LeMahieu and Tulowitzki are behind him, but yeah, I don't think he's batting ninth again this year. But, but honestly, he could. I mean, LeMahieu and Tulowitzki and Glaber Torres aren't all in the lineup together. Some days they will. You're right. Some days yeah, they will. I don't be, think Glaber is going to be one that's sitting. No, but I'm saying you can't have LeMahieu and Tulowitzki behind him. You, I would uh, imagine he bats in front of whoever the first baseman is. All right, it, look, it, it's a good I think point. He, it, plate appearances will will drag him down, which is. One of the reasons why Torres did score fewer points per game than the scrubs that Scott mentioned. Uh, all right, we can move on to our next one. Yeah. Our, our Jorge Ky- Polanco was the other one, by the way. Yeah. Eduardo Escobar and Jorge Polanco. Are Kyle Schwarber and Shohei Otani studs in daily lineup leagues? No, not studs. They're better. They're much better. Otani, though, I mean, I mean, ten forty three OPS against righties. Yeah. Yeah, when he gets back, Otani might be because he steals bases too. Um, and yeah, when he when he was in the right when he what's that, Scott? I missed uh, that. 
Oh, you were talking in my ear because the video started. I thought you were. <laughs> I had a video auto-playing <laughs> on one of the articles I had pulled. Up, so I thought you were talking for the podcast. No. That's why I stopped talking. Okay. Anyway, that was very um, weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whenever Otani was in the lineup, he did amazing things last year. And, uh, yeah, you'll want him in your line. Like if you, if you play in a daily league where you can change the lineup like that, there, there's, He's a really exciting play. Whenever gotta, he comes back, which should be some point in May, you got to fix this autoplay issue, man. Yeah, yeah you got to just hit, there's a there's a little button. If you right click on the tab, and you can just mute it, and it will mute it for that site. Just go ahead and do that. Uh, hey Scott, this is real Adam talking now. Uh, why is Corey Seager? That's our last big question. Why is Corey Seager not the best value in fantasy drafts at 76th overall, Scott White? He might be. He might be. I don't have many shares of him because there are so many other short stuff to take that by the time we get to the 76th pick, it's usually already full for me. But I think I did draft him as my middle infielder in, in the uh, mixed rotisserie auction league. So that's a solution if you play in a format that has that middle infield spot. You know, that's about the point where... I would be looking to take like a Herman Marquez. So sometimes there are just other priorities, especially if shortstop's already filled. But this is a guy who, after his rookie season, we were drafting him in the first round. After his sophomore season, I think we were drafting him in the second round. And now coming back from Tommy John's surgery, which, you know, position players seem to come back from just, I mean, pitchers usually do too, but especially position players. Uh, Glaber Torres, for all the home runs he hit last year, that was, I think he got called up basically a year after. Tommy John surgery, maybe a little less. So uh, Corey Seager, I think, is a good value there. He may be the best value. The only argument against it, and I totally agree, I think he's been a great value all draft season long. Um, I think people are overreacting too much, but he hasn't played in a Cactus League game. He's not going to play in a Cactus League game. He'll appear in maybe two out of three of the, uh, I don't know, whatever, the freeway series or whatever they call it that they're, that they're going to play right after spring training. And that's all he's going to get as far as game action before the regular season starts. It's possible he's fine. It's also possible that it's like Ryan Zimmerman last year where he gets off to a really bad start because he just didn't have the reps early on. Um, so that's my only concern, especially coming off hip and elbow surgery. But if he's even 90% of the guy he's been, he's a great value in the sixth round. Yeah, Corey Seager's a very uh, similar player, I think, to Xander Bogarts. I mean, they have some some differences. Seager may be better in batting average. Bogarts may be better in OBP. And Bogarts did make some good plate discipline uh, gains late in the year and through the playoffs. We'll see if that carries over. But Seager's going 30 picks after Xander Bogarts, uh, and that just strikes me as very good value. And yeah. we'll, uh, we haven't heard a lot from Heath, so Heath, I'm going to make you talk about the news and notes in just a moment. I want to give a quick shout-out to a couple of our listeners. Marty and Nick. Uh, Nick wrote an email. Look, I won't get into the details. A very touching email. We get a lot of emails that are kind of personal in nature. I want to give a shout-out to Nick. So he and Marty have been friends for 25 years since kindergarten. They've been playing in the same fantasy baseball league for 16 years, and Nick just wanted to, us to talk about the importance of fantasy baseball and how it brings people together. And yeah, that's good stuff. So um, I won't go into it. It was a very personal email. And Nick, I want to thank you for that email. Shout out to you and Marty. And Marty, thank you for listening. Okay, Heath, you ready for news and notes? Yes. All right. Bryce Harper, Bruce Foote appears to be fine. Clayton, Kersh Clayton Kershaw, unlikely to be ready for opening day. I think he's going to throw live BP this week. So this could be a big step. I think this is an underrated headline, Heath. Michael Taylor... Nationals outfielder going to miss significant time with a leg injury. Why do I think, Heath, why do I think this is an underrated headline? Because it really lessens the chances that Adam Eaton's going to sit against left-handed pitching and probably needs to be moved up on draft boards now. <laughs> do you agree with that, or do you think that's just what I think? No, I agree with you 100%. I think it's absolutely true. Yeah, this guy is a top 20 outfielder when he's healthy, especially in points leagues. Maybe more like top 25 in Roto when he's playing every day, Adam Eaton. And Taylor was an obvious platoon partner. Uh, Matt Carpenter has back tightness, Heath. No big deal at all, he said. No big deal. Not a big deal. Not worried at all. <laughs> Tommy <laughs> Carpenter doesn't even have a bat. <laughs> nobody, nobody be worried. He is fine. He's the healthiest player in baseball. 
Best shape <laughs> of his life. This is the downside to Matt Carpenter. This is why he's in my bust column. But uh, Ethan and I have gone back and forth on that a few times. Tommy Pham is going to play the outfield today. That's good news. Joey Gallo has a groin strain. Doesn't seem to be anything major. A.J. Minter, as Heath mentioned earlier, unlikely to be ready for opening day due to a shoulder injury. Aaron Hicks will miss the first series of the season with a back issue. And, like, honestly, he might only miss one series. It could be a short stint on the DL. He does have an injury this history. Time. Right, but, but... On the what? On the aisle. On the aisle. But based on the draft we did on Friday, he went, gosh, I don't remember, some, somewhere in the 140-50 range, I think. I mean, I feel like Aaron Hicks, people might be overreacting a little bit, guys. What do you think? Uh... For all the guys that we downgrade because of injuries, the guy who's currently hurt should probably be downgraded the most, especially because he's never made it through a major league season without going on the DL. I mean, I'm less likely to ding a guy because they're in or because of injury prone concerns. But when you're actually currently injured, I think there's a big difference there. So I, and he's not a sure thing anyway, you know, like, they did it's give not. him a long-term contract. They do like him, but it's not like they gave him superstar money. Like if if Aaron Hicks is a fourth outfielder, that's a pretty good deal for the Yankees still. So I don't <laughs> think seven, there's a guarantee. What's a seven-year deal? A seventy million dollar deal for a fourth outfielder? Yeah, I think I mean, that's it's bad. ten million dollars a year. That's that's an average player. They are Amazing. not like. It's very hard for this to be a bad deal for the Yankees. I don't think teams should pay a fourth outfielder. Chris, come on now. But they do. Like that's that's something that has happened before. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Clint Frazier starts for the first couple of series of the year, gets hot, and then Aaron Hicks isn't an everyday player. I don't think that's crazy. I think it's that's that's crazy. Yeah, he's an everyday player. After the two years he had and the investment they made in him, like if if anybody's getting moved. Bumped out for Clint Frazier. It's, it's Brett Gardner, right. I would think. But I mean, part of, in terms of downgrading him, what did you say the ADP was, uh, for Hicks, Adam? I mean, uh, like a, a lot of, t- we're usually talking about high end players, like the, the kind of what you'd be sacrificing to draft them is uh, of an elite value in its own right. And that's why it's easier to play the, go the ultra cautious route and say, eh, I'd rather draft this other guy instead. But Hicks, I feel like has a lot of upside for a range that isn't particularly exciting. Right. So Scott, so and, uh, Aaron Hicks's ADP is 119th overall. And on yeah. Friday, he went at the end of round 14. So that's it's 137 on NFBC over the last three days. No, that's that's great value for the guy who should bat lead off for the Yankees with a high OBP, you know, all those sluggers behind him. And, you know, 25-15 home potential on his own right, 25 homer, 15 steal potential. We didn't talk enough, Heath, about Luis Severino because we were doing the draft when the news broke. The earliest Severino will be out uh, will be back is May 1st. So in this draft, he fell pretty far. He went uh 107th overall, 108th overall to Scott. And when would you be comfortable taking Severino? And then we also have to talk about, oh, looks like Luis Sessa is definitely going to make the Yankees rotation. He added a cutter or a two-seamer or something. He's having a great spring, but has not been an exciting major league pitcher. Then there's Domingo Herman. Luizic has had a bad spring, so we'll talk about the Yankees' rotation briefly, but when are you comfortable taking Severino? Yeah, I think ninth round is a good time for Severino. I dropped him back to right around 96th in uh, head-to-head in Roto. It's outside of the top 100, but not too far out of the top 100. You, there is risk here that Luis Severino is not ready at the start of May. Luis Severino doesn't help you this year, but there's also the upside that First of May rolls around and you have a top 10 starting pitcher. So you just have to balance those two things. There's no actual certainty. And I don't think there's even really a right answer. It's just within the draft, you're looking at your roster. Can I take that type of chance? And are there any Yankees replacement pitchers here that you guys want to draft? I'm drafting Domingo Herman. I, I think Jonathan Loisaga has probably blown his chance with yeah. the way he's pitched this spring. Yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, Herman has been dominant in this. If people who listened in the middle of last season will remember 
<laughs> there was like a two month stretch where I hyped him every show. It didn't work out, but he has three above average swing and miss pitches and uh, has struck out 18 and 11 and two thirds innings this spring. So there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd, it, it would take a path of probably another pitcher going on the DL at some point, but there, you know, there's a chance he's just so good. The Yankees try and figure out a way well, to keep him around. Who's in the rotation for like the first couple of turns? So Herman. it's, it's packed. I think Herman's going. Yeah. Cause Sabathia's going to miss the first series at least, right? Five games. More than that. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. probably a couple weeks. Yeah. So th- there's going to be an opportunity for him on there. And if he's in the rotation at the same time as Luis Sessa, I'll bet on Herman keeping that. The, the only thing is, I, I don't know if you mentioned it already, but the Yankees have made an offer to Gio Gonzalez. They've been kind of circling each other for the last couple of weeks from reports and the offer was not what Gio wanted, but it does sound like Gio's going to end up there. Okay. Uh, just last thing on Herman. I know the 557 ERA, but 33 walks, 102 strikeouts in 85 and two thirds. So there's, there's talent there. Also, if you look at his first start, and look at, I think, Freddie Peralta's first start. His first start, Armand, was six scoreless innings, nine strikeouts against Cleveland. Peralta, if I remember correctly, was at Colorado when he pitched a gem. And it just goes to show you, like, you don't want to overreact too much to one start. So I'm, I'm sure that'll come up at times during the season. Uh, let's get through the rest of the news and notes here. Chris Sale had a great start in his first, uh, first spring training start. So that was good to see. We mentioned this, but Austin Hayes sent to AAA by Baltimore. Shohei Otani could take batting practice in the next week. Dustin Pedroia is not a lock for opening day. Garrett Hampson is back. He uh, is having a great spring, just like Ryan McMahon, but Hampson stole his sixth base. He leads spring training with six steals, tied with Victor Robles. Uh, so that's good to see that Hampson is back. Mike Foltynewicz could be ready in mid-April. Jorge Alfaro could be ready for opening day. A listener wanted me to mention Boston reliever Darwinson Hernandez, who he thinks is a, a sleeper to be the closer. I don't see that happening, but Darwinson Hernandez is a name that we should probably know. He's a very talented pitcher. Um, Cleveland signed Carlos Gonzalez to a minor league deal, as we mentioned. And Jeff Samarja thinks that baseball should have ties and a point system like soccer or hockey. What do you think? So that you just don't play just, no extra innings. Right. No extra innings. <sighs> I don't, I don't under, I don't understand the perspective that, well, I could, I guess I could understand it from a player's perspective, but I don't understand the fan perspective that extra inning baseball is boring and bad. Like, when it feels like the bottom of every inning is basically sudden death. Like, that's, is that's that, really intense. Is that really a thing? I think the issue is that the games go on too long. I don't think anybody, like, actually minds extra innings. It, it's, the problem is extra innings when the game started at 7.30 and it's 11.45 at night. And I would guess the TV people don't like extra innings <laughs> because they don't yeah. know when their next programming is going to happen. Oh, I'm sure and they love it. I don't. Nobody's watching Nobody's watching the next top bass fisher. I don't know. Sun sports. <laughs> They're like, you're going to get five, ten times as many people tuning in. Who's staying up late right. at 11.30 to watch Who's the staying up late to watch a bass or tuning tournament? in for it? Because they watch Who's it. staying up well, late to, to watch the fourth rerun of some spring training feature? It's absolutely great. Uh, live, okay. live, live sports are way better. Look, for, for I, I think we've all been in a situation where you wake up in the morning and you're really excited to watch that episode of Bassmasters, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's the 13th inning. And you didn't record, I mean, it's very frustrating. So I can understand that's probably where Jeff Samarge is coming from. All right. I want to play another song. It is about John Gray. I teased it on the, on the podcast on Friday, but people said, I want to hear the whole thing. So we'll be right back after this message and then we will hear our, uh, one of our podcast league entries. We'll be right back. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Okay, let's hear it. This is from Jason in New York City. It is called John Gray. John Gray. Get your lighters out. You can draft him if you want to. I think he's playing this guitar, by the way. A high ERA, but good caper nine, so... Thought he was a breakout last year So I kept him on my roster too long He's even worse away from Coors Field So I know that there's something wrong with his pitching Yeah, yeah, I'm not (laughs) drafting him It sounds like Scott It's not And you say he can't eat on game day He's losing all this weight Succumbing to the pressures of starting in the big leagues How home to fly ball rate But his stuff is so good Eventually it's gonna play Isn't that right? Scott White, right, right <laughs> When will you say We can give up on John yeah! All right, that's Jason beautiful. in New York. Uh, he's in, right? I mean, that's good enough. I mean, if if I'm making the decision, yes. Uh, if everyone submitted a a a, a stay parody, <laughs> everyone would be in the podcast league. We do have to have a certain number of spots for people that can't sing. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we've got we? we we've got like five music tracks, and not all of them are gonna make it. But uh, the two you've heard, and then the last one that you're going to hear at the end of the show, which is like five minutes long, I'm just going to play you out. Yeah. On uh, on the that. last one's probably the best one, right? It's the yeah. It it it's the Cheryl Crow Kid Rock uh, cover of, yeah. of Pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one. That one's in. That's a podcast leaker for sure. Uh, but don't worry, if you didn't do something unbelievably creative like that, you can still get in, and of course, join our bracket challenge which I'll be tweeting the links out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about spring training, guys. Any other risers and fallers? Should we talk again about uh, the Garrett Hampson Ryan McMahon thing? <laughs> it's, it's, it's I think a- it's looking more and more clear that kind of what and Scott mentioned this earlier in the spring. I it really looks like what they're doing. I expect Ryan McMahon's going to play second base at the start of the season. Garrett Hampson's going to be the super utility guy. Over the weekend, I think he played five innings of left field and then started at shortstop the next day. So that, that it's looking more and more like that. They both played too well to go back down. Ryan McMahon is clearly, I think, one of the biggest risers of spring training. He uh, he's made some kind of adjustment, or, or I, I read it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but some kind of adjustment that's allowing him to now hit major league pitching more like he did minor league pitching, where he hit like 355 two years ago, or something ridiculous. Um, he's going to be a course field. He has power. Going to have second base eligibility. I, I got him. In the reserve rounds of our our uh, mixed rotisserie auction, I got him like with the last reserve round pick, and that was just a week ago. And in that time, I feel like it's looking like an incredible value. When at the time I wasn't sure, like that's how much McMahon has risen up my rankings in in a short period of time. Yeah, Heath, can you look up uh, his his more recent ADP because? Overall, I'm it up right now. Yeah, Ryan, 290 over the last weekend. Where is it? Wow, it's still too low. Yeah. What'd you say it was? 290. 290. Since Friday. Okay. And but who would he rather draft, Hampson or McMahon? Still Hampson. Yeah, the stolen base scarcity is kind of driving that. But right. it's it's 
I think McMahon's um, return is safer. I think the at-bats are safer. I mean, shortstop, obviously, for the Rockies is Trevor Story. That's one of the positions Hampson can play. I can't imagine he's taking too many starts from Trevor Story, so it's really going to come down to how the split happens at second base and how much outfield Hampson plays. I will say I— I'd much rather draft Ryan McMahon because I can't draft Garrett Hampson. He's going in like the 150, 160 range. I've got no interest in him there compared to McMahon at 290. He's going a little later over the last couple of days. It was 174 since Friday. I I don't think I'd spend a top 200 pick on him. Would you spend a top 300 pick on Lewis Brinson, who's still having a good spring, or Jorge Soler, who's also having a nice spring? Brinson and Soler. No. I mean, that's like the uh, second or third pick of the reserve round. I, sure. Yeah. You can get him like 298. I don't think there's a t- I, It's not likely that either one of them hits. But, you know, especially in Brinson's case, if he is making some kind of leap and he's starting to figure it out, there's power speed potential there. And, you know, if he can get a strikeout right down to like 250 and or 25% and hit like 250, mm-hmm. 260. There's potential for a ton of value in the I, I think I think if you're drafting those guys at that range, you have the right idea, right? You're you're going for the upside at a stage where it's not going to hurt you if it goes wrong. It's yeah. low probability picks, but potentially impactful ones, and that's what sets you apart. If and, you know, a couple of those guys do return big value. And as far as Solaire goes, he did hit last year. He just once again for the fifth year in a row couldn't stay healthy. But he had an 820 OPS, hit 265. I mean, I think he's probably, if he actually plays a full season, you're pretty safe at assuming a 25 homer guy that was an 800 plus OPS. It's just, he never stays healthy. But it doesn't matter at that range. Right. Yeah. It's, so, uh, oh gosh, the roto, the auction draft that we did on the air, my outfield is Mike Trout, uh, have, oh, Cole Calhoun, and then it's going to be, on opening day, Lewis Brinson, Jorge Soler, and Delano de Shields. Delano de Shields also, man. yeah, also having a good spring. He has four steals. He's hitting well. He can't hit. I mean, he can't hit, but he hopefully yeah, he can I'm hit tired enough of to play in that game. Yeah, but just I'm tired of well, taking that bait. I'd rather have him than Greg Allen now. Yeah, me too. And like Malik Smith couldn't hit until he started to hit, right? Yeah, I guess. Which and makes, that was like two, basically two seasons of him not hitting. Yeah, this you know, is we're four. On season four. Uh, five, I believe, Although for the he's, he's hit enough in two of his seasons. Yeah, right. If he could hit 260, he gets on base. Yeah. You know, I, I just want him to hit enough to stay in the lineup because I think he could steal 40 bases. Uh, but I don't trust him to be an everyday player throughout the year. But I, I think he's, you know, those the Shields is certainly worth a late round pick if you need steals. Uh, we don't care about Hunter Pence. This is, this is the point. Every season where we start hyping Delino DeShields. Like, right, this is the third year in a row this has happened. I'm not hyping him. I just think that, like, <laughs> if you're desperate for steals, he's gonna steal bases. Just please don't be the worst hitter yeah. in the world. Um, we don't care about Hunter Pence, right? I put in a claim for him, a pretty sizable claim in an AL only league. I, I think he is going to be the primary outfielder to begin the season, and he did. One of the, one of those coaches who always gets mentioned among the flyball revolution. There's like three or four of them. He did rework his swing with that guy. And, uh, you know, it's having to break spring, won a job, it looks like. I don't think he's, like, there's so many more attractive outfield pickups in a mixed league that it would be hard for me to take that leap on Hunter Pence at this point. But, you know, it could come a point where mid-May he's performing and a lot of those guys aren't and he does end up being widely picked up. Any other spring standouts that you guys want to mention, good or bad? We've said enough about Colin McHugh's spring. No, say it's been say a standout in a bad way. Yeah. So does that does that mean you're not I, drafting? I did him? see something about how he's kind of never been good in the spring. So maybe we should give him a little bit of a pass, but he's been awful so far, and the velocity hasn't been there yet. Austin Barnes is having. A good spring. He's he's kind of my deep sleeper catcher after I was too high on him last year, it turned out. Uh, but he was playing injured much of the year and, um, you know, obviously didn't get close to the at-bats we were expecting. Well, now he should be the Dodgers' primary catcher, and he swinging the bat more like he did two years ago, uh, getting on base a lot, 
showing a little bit of pop. I think uh, as your second catcher, he's a really good choice. Um, Jesse Winker has hit 161 with a 575 OPS. He struck out eight times and walked once. That's not terribly surprising. Coming back from shoulder surgery, like yeah. you should expect him to get off to a slow start. I think. Yeah, here's here's what why I'm not discouraged about that one. The Reds beat writer just yesterday published another story talking about how the starting outfield, you know, is, is Winker, Shebler, and Puig, with Senzel coming up later, most likely. So even though Matt Kemp's had a great spring, it doesn't seem like it's impacting the Reds' thinking there. Two, Winker's homer twice, which I think is a good sign uh, for the shoulder. Three, he's only walked once, and that's like his game, walking all the time. So it, 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 I, I think it's that kind of brings home the point that it's just spring training him getting ready yeah i mean he uh, could I, I i don't think his playing time's in concern because he's been bad but it's just a reminder that he could be bad in april he could be bad yeah. halfway through may mm-hmm. yep hey i mean we, shoulder surgery it's hard to say it, we but, should definitely also talk about victor robles yes he's been awesome yeah he has an ops over a thousand he has six steals eight walks six strikeouts 351 batting average two home runs for victor robles he's you know He's looking very there's good. a there's a chance that by this time next year we're talking about him like we've talked about Trey Turner. I, I really think that's true. I, I think you know there's a chance that he hits 15 to 20 homers and steals 40 plus bases this year for the Nationals with a good average. This is what I think five years in a row, four years in a row as a top 100 prospect, basically three years in a row as a consensus top 10 guy. The the upside is massive. He's still only 21. Um, uh, get excited. There was a <laughs> weird note from the Padres spring training that both Fran Mill Reyes and Hunter Renfro <laughs> were being rested because of fatigue. Yeah. The two guys competing for right field have played too much this spring and they're tired. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... I was worried... Because I saw it about Reyes first and I was like, oh, what does this mean? If he's already tired, how can he play every day? But then I saw it for Renfro and I was just like, okay. Like, <laughs> Like, this is just clearly a managerial decision going on here and, um, you know, not something specific to anybody. Okay. Two things. They, they, two, two they things. have used an alignment though, um, more than once with both Reyes and Renfro in Will Myers in center. Like, it'll be how much are they willing to sacrifice defense out there to get both the big bats in the lineup? Uh, it's something I mean, that'd be, that would be, be great for news. fantasy. Yeah, it'd be terrible news for fantasy owners that drafted Chris Paddock, Matt Strom, or Joey Lucchese. They're going to miss so many bats, it won't matter. (laughs) Okay, okay. Joey Lucchese won't. I have been dying to ask a question about Hunter Pence for like the last five minutes, and this Hunter Pence question needs to be asked. If he is going to play, who is sitting for the Rangers? Because they better not be Delano to Shields. I'm pretty sure he's the fourth outfielder. It's not going to be Gallo. Uh, I, I think the bigger thing is that Willie Calhoun had a chance to come in and, and earn a job, and I don't think no. that's going to happen now. I, I think, think it is been... going to be to Shields, because I keep reading Gallo's going to be the, the primary center field, center fielder, and that would seem to exclude to Shields, right? Ugh, Scott, why? I'm trying to hype up the line of the Shields here like we do every spring. He won't let I'm me. I'm pretty sure yeah. Hunter Pence is going to be a fourth outfielder. Okay. Uh, Hunter Pence well, is terrible. Why do they keep saying Gallo's going to play center? I've seen Gallo is playing some center. I have not seen, I, I may have missed the things that you've seen that said he's going yeah. to be their everyday center. Yeah, player. I can't remember. What's the Rangers' it, new manager's name? Uh, it's Chris Woodward, right? There you go. Yeah. Um, he has talked up Joey Gallo a lot in a lot of really interesting ways, talking about him stealing bases, talking about him play, playing center field. Uh, he seems to be a really big fan of Joey Gallo for, for whatever that's worth. I, it's definitely not going to be him losing playing time. I, yeah. I mean, Hunter Pence, if you want to take like your, your final reserve round pick, that's fine. But he's been so bad the last couple of years and it's not just an 18 game park thing. As with the way this normally goes, I imagine performance will dictate playing time between DeShields and Pence. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think defense is going to give DeShields a pass here because they do seem confident with Gallo in center field. So we'll see. All right. Last one that I wanted to mention was Luis Castillo not having a good spring. 
And I I don't know how much it should matter, but for a guy that I have high hopes for, I would like to see him having a better spring. So hopefully he can turn it around in his next start because Luis Castillo's got an ERA over 12 right now. That's no good. I wanted to do overdrafted players, but we'll save those for tomorrow. We'll do overdrafted and underdrafted players. You can read about it on the website, but we should have a little bit of debate about it here on the podcast. So uh, a little ADP review tomorrow. We had a waivers run yesterday in our 12-team, five-outfielder, two-catcher, Roto League. And did you guys make any interesting ad drops that you would like to tell our listeners about? I have not yet. Uh, I did not. One of the pitchers I was picking up in all, because I had waivers run in all the leagues we've done so far last night, uh, the first run, uh, I picked up um, Brandon Woodruff. And I think all of those leagues who it, it looks like both him and B- B- um, Corbin Burns are going to be in the rotation to start the year with Jimmy Nelson beginning on the DL. And they're so much more talented than a, a lot of the locks for the rotation, like Zach Davies and Ulysses Chassin. So I could definitely see them sticking around and they're both RP eligible, which helps in points leagues, Burns and Woodruff. Woodruff, I think has the leg up, but you know, it, they're both in, and whoever pitches better is probably sticking. I do want to clarify. Uh, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I tried to pick up Austin Hayes, but got outbid for him. I tried to pick up Jorge Soler, Adam, but you outbid me for him, and specifically in this five outfielder league. So those are a couple others that I was putting claims in for. Damn right. Now, what would Chris like to clarify? Heath was making eyes at me. Yeah, presumably with the implication that I forgot to make waiver wire claims yesterday. <laughs> uh, I did not. I saw Scott's reminders in in all the leagues that I'm playing with him. How, how many claims did you make yesterday? None. Okay. Because looking at my rosters, I have guys who are injured who I can't put on the DL yet because we don't know what they're gonna be, and I'm not I'm not really dropping anyone that I drafted yet. Yeah. You drafted too well. I, I obviously. Right. I love my team. <laughs> that, that's. That's always my – I always draft too well, and then I can never drop the guys that need to be dropped because, you know, there's just such a great reason why I drafted them in the first place. But you do bring up a great yeah. point. Commissioners, you should allow people to put players on their DL before the season so – IL before the season starts, if we know for a fact they're going on the IL. I have D.D. Gregorius. I think you should, you, you should absolutely give them license to ill. <laughs> Oh, he waited 53 minutes, folks, to make that joke. Let's finish the show with some emails, and then I will play you off with uh, a, a beautiful song about pitchers. So proud of you. Uh, Baseball at CBSI.com. This is from Ryan. I have the sixth pick in my head-to-head points league. I'm deciding between J.D. Martinez and Max Scherzer. Who would you take in a points league, J.D. Martinez or Max Scherzer? I would take Scherzer. In a points league, I think. Yeah, I would. I'm going to say Scherzer. Scherzer. I have Scherzer six, Martinez seven. There you go. Okay. This I don't is, think you're wrong either way, to be honest. Like, this is so close. from Greg. I just did my inaugural head-to-head category keeper league. One pitcher, pitcher one hitcher. One pitcher, one hitter <laughs> in the first year. In the later rounds, I drafted Nate Lowe, who was promptly sent back down to the minors. Should I hang on to him or drop him? For C.J. Crone, Jed Lowry, Nick Markakis, Lourdes Gurriel, or Adam Frazier? Uh, I, w- I think those are good enough that I'd drop him. You know, in, a, in a league of a certain depth, I think he's worth keeping around for the upside. And But it doesn't sound like your league is quite deep enough for that. It's a categories league, right? I think mm-hmm. I'd lean C.J. Crone, get, the, get some power production there. Okay. So... This is uh, Nate Lowe, the Rays. I'm assuming he means Nate and not Brandon Lau, but Rays first baseman. Scott's yeah. talked about him. Um, okay, right. so Scott votes for C.J. Crone. Kreeth? I'd probably go Jed Lowry. I, I'm not particularly enthused by... <laughs> this is why Chris doesn't make waiver claims. Any of the yeah, options. I mean, he drafted Nate Lowe. Come on, why would he drop them? <laughs> Maybe. Him. I actually think Adam Frazier is not a bad... Uh, option he could, you know, he'll probably get on base. He might lead off. Um, you know, he, he could be a decent option. All right, this is from Walker. Dear Bella, Edward, and Jacob. I know that Twilight. one. I can't. Oh yeah. Yes. Because this question is about Detroit outfielder Kristen Stewart, 
We need to talk more. Ah. Uh, we need to talk more about Kristen Stewart, according to Twilight fan Walker. Uh, so should we um, should we draft Kristen Stewart? Uh, yeah, and five outfielder leagues and other leagues of a similar depth. I think so. I think well, he's going to bat. Walker's in a, in a prime... ten-team league. Okay, so is it five outfielders or three? It says ten-team roto, but I. So probably five. I mean, he's obviously on the fringes there, but I I think he's I think he's going to be an impactful player. He's going to bat either probably second in the Tigers lineup with good on base skills and power. The profile reminds me of Carlos Santana a little bit. So, uh, you know, that's why in a three outfielder league category is probably too shallow. But five outfielder, yeah, I think you could do a lot worse. Okay, yeah, I, I would not be drafting him in that format. Yeah, and I think. Goes without saying, this is Kristen Stewart we're talking about. It goes without saying, we're all Team Edward here. This is from AJ. At the end of my draft, I got auto-drafted Chris Taylor in a 6 by 6 Roto League with average and OPS. Chris Taylor wasn't really on my radar, but I haven't heard you talk much about him. I'm tempted to drop Taylor for Ryan McMahon or Jeff McNeil. This is a 12-team league with a fairly deep, deep bench. So Taylor, McMahon, and McNeil. Heath, who would you want to have here? I was thinking about this this morning, and I understand why we all got down on Chris Taylor after the disappointment of last year and concerns about him possibly having some playing time issues. I think mm-hmm. we've probably gone too far with that, especially if we're talking about dropping him for someone that might not be an everyday player. I would keep Chris Taylor. Oh, I would go for the upside, man. Either one of those players, I like the upside more, but I think especially McMahon at this point. Um, he could be, I, I, McMahon could be a stud. I mean, we, we do probably need to remember that Chris Taylor is a guy who's basically given us a 290 season with 2020. Yeah, that, but it was upside. hard to believe. The BABIP was so inflated. And they have Enrique Hernandez, who they're going to try and find at bats for. He's got a 347 career BABIP. I mean, he's, he's going to be a high BABIP guy. I, I don't, I, uh, one, I don't think he's going to play every day, Taylor. And two, I don't think the upside really compares to something somebody like McMahon. And I think in a points league specifically, I, I don't think the upside compares to um, McNeil either because the, the strikeout rates are so disproportionate. I do think the one thing I do want to say with McMahon, and it's not to overreact because it was only like 220 plate appearances, but he was disastrously bad for Coors Field last year. Uh, now, he wasn't playing regularly enough, but... Like, we have seen him in the majors, and he was worse than Chris Taylor. So I don't think we should just ignore the possibility uh, oh, of, of course not. really low downside. And Jeff McNeil, but, I mean, he's had a single talk- good season basically as a professional. And but you're talking about the year. back end of your roster, one of your last players drafted. I think that's where you totally go for upside. Right, right but Chris guys, Taylor does have upside. Guys, we got to go, so I need to ask this final question here. It is from Adam from West. And he says, are you starting the starting pitchers in the Japan games? Those starting pitchers are Marco Gonzalez, Mike Fires, Yusei Kikuchi and, Kikuchi, and Marco Estrada. Are you going to be starting them on March 20th and 21st? I'm not starting the athletics, guys. I'm starting yeah. the Mariners for sure. Yeah. Yes to it's, the Mariners. This is a great the spot the for Kikuchi because he gets like two weeks off after this. <laughs> I'm going to write an article tonight. It'll probably go up tomorrow about... Um, who you should start and sit from that that game, assuming you know that that if if you are tying that series into week one, uh, who's worth it and who isn't. Well, that is it for our show. If you're watching on video, we will say goodbye to you. If you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, please enjoy "Pitcher" by Scott and a female accompanist who uh, I did not get the name for. But congratulations, Scott and female accompanist. You are in the podcast league for Scott, for Heat, for Chris. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. See you later, everybody. Starting my draft, taking hitters Cause I heard that those hurlers get injured Almost filled my line up in eight damn rounds When I went to go select a starter I could feel my heartbeat grown hot
Won't take my pictures too late 